Welcome to Season 7 of Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Farina, a veterinarian and a writer, and I've worked in the animal healthcare industry. And prior to that, I was an MTV journalist and a radio personality. Yes, my career has taken me in lots of different directions. Speaking of directions, in each episode of Scrub Chat, I sit down and chat with a guest so they can share their different directions and journeys. We'll explore veterinary medicine and how it fits with other aspects of our lives. One last thing, thank you Zoetis. Zoetis has generously created these podcasts to help support the veterinary profession. Today, I'll talk with Meg Harrington, a certified veterinary technologist who specializes in livestock consulting and production animal care for Nashville Animal Hospital in Nashville, Arkansas. She is also a 2022 applicant with the Academy of Internal Medicine for Veterinary Technicians, seeking a veterinary technician specialty in production animal internal medicine. Glad you could join us today, Meg. Thank you so much for having me. So first off, can you explain the difference between a veterinary technologist and a veterinary technician and probably a specialist too? Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked this. So um, if we look at what a veterinary technician is, and that's defined um, through many practice acts, a veterinary technician is a graduate um, of an AVMA accredited veterinary technology program with an associate's degree. Uh, If we look at that and and compare that role similarly to human medicine, you're looking kind of like a licensed practical nurse, right? So an LPN on the human side is really equivalent to a veterinary technician on the animal health side as they both have an associate's degree. A veterinary technologist, however, is also a graduate of an AVMA-accredited veterinary technology program. They've just attained a bachelor's degree. So when we compare that to the human, um, the bachelor's degree on the human side is a BSN. They are considered a registered nurse on the human side. So that's how we can kind of compare those roles. We both take the same board examination. So we're you know, a technician and a technologist is going to take the same board examination, which is the VT&E. And it's very similar to like an LPN and RN. They're, they're going to take the same board examination. They just have different degree levels. Now, a veterinary technician specialist, that's kind of the, the highest honor of veterinary technology that we can attain as a veterinary technician or technologist. And there's a ton of different specialties and subspecialties in which you can apply to an academy. So you have to be a technician or technologist for a minimum of three to five years before you can apply to an academy to become a veterinary technician specialist. So my academy is obviously the Academy of Internal Medicine for Veterinary Technicians, and I have a big focus towards production animal care. So that is why I chose production animal medicine. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you for taking the time to explain that. Well, I have to say you're a rare breed of sorts because seeking a specialty in production animal medicine is special in itself and you do belong to this small group. So why did you decide to pursue the specialty? It's an opportunity to kind of elevate myself within, you know, the profession in itself. It's a way to provide me additional credibility when I'm working with producers and talking through situations. Uh, It just gives me more credibility. It also gives me the opportunity to provide continuing education to other veterinary technicians or technologists that may have interest in pursuing production animal or even large animal internal medicine specialties. That's excellent. Let's talk about Nashville Animal Hospital. What are some of your responsibilities there? 
Yeah. So the biggest part of my role as a technologist is I work primarily in an ambulatory setting. I am in the hospital some, but a lot of the times I'm in an ambulatory setting, um, traveling in a vehicle and providing care to our producers. Uh, what I do on a regular basis is consult with them on their herd health programs, I'll make sure that they are on the right track with what uh, they're giving their cattle as far as vaccinations and deworming, do a lot of uh, risk assessment on their operations. I might do a, a herd health audit where I go out on the farm. I look at their pen management, general herd health protocols that they're that they're doing and look for ways that we can improve that to make sure that we're on the right track for what their operation needs that's specific to them. In addition to that, I do go out and assess sick patients and I'm able to report my findings back to my veterinarian under indirect supervision. And based on either a written protocol or oral instructions given by my veterinarian, I can then treat that patient accordingly with the veterinarian still in the hospital, seeing other patients while I'm out tending to the production animals that need the care in the very rural communities of Arkansas. (laughs) I feel like there's so many levels to your job because as you're saying, you're treating individual animals. You Mm -hmm. have to be thinking on a herd health level. And then really you're thinking about the food supply level. So there's actually a lot at stake with your job. Absolutely. So going out and and assessing or or tending to an individual animal has herd health implications. So what we find on that individual animal may spiral into something that affects the entire herd, which in turn could definitely affect the amount of production that's done on that operation, which in turn is going to affect food supply in the long run. It's a big full circle type thing, being able to address an individual animal, but look at it as a picture of a whole herd. And then what are we doing to make sure that we're keeping the food supply safe? We're keeping these animals healthy. That way we can do our part. Mm -hmm. Right. You grew up on a cow and calf operation in southern Indiana and said that you've always had a passion for the cattle industry. What is it about the industry that ignites your passion for it? Well, so yes, I grew up on a small family farm and we shown livestock in 4-H and participated in FFA through high school. And it was just the opportunity to network with those kind of people that I knew that this was the industry that I wanted to be in. I love the animals. I love the people that are involved in the beef industry. And then when I went on to uh, college, I had the opportunity to work at the beef research unit at Purdue. And that also gave me a lot of opportunities for networking as well. And I just love the people that I get to be around every day. And I actually want to talk about the beef unit because you did work, as you said, at Purdue University School of Veterinary Medicine Animal Science Beef Research Center. Why did you enjoy it? Uh, Because I was working with cattle every single day. So what I did there mainly, uh, I was, it was kind of like an after school job. Sometimes it was before school. Sometimes I would sleep there and cab out heifers. (laughs) So I spent a lot of time (laughs) there when I wasn't in the vet school in our clinicals. I was at the beef research unit working, feeding cows or doing health checks or calving out heifers. And I did a lot of that through the periods of time that I was at Purdue. And I really enjoyed it. And like I said, it gave me an opportunity to network with a a lot of people in our industry because we would always have people that would come into the research unit, um, whether they were grad students, other veterinarians, or even livestock judging teams would come out and look at our cattle. And it was just an opportunity to meet people in other places. And then now I see those people that are working in different jobs in the industry on a regular basis. And it's just, I've been able to maintain those relationships with those people over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. 
You said that you love the animals and you love the people. What do you love about the people? There's just something about people that are in the livestock industry that are just really genuine and wholesome that I appreciate about them. And they they truly care about their animals. And I really appreciate that about them, that they really, truly put their animals first. And well, let's think about your experience at Purdue. Would you recommend exploring a career at a veterinary school to our listeners? Oh, absolutely. I think there's several veterinary technicians that, you know, they work in the hospital setting of the vet school. And there's a big opportunity for that, for technicians to either work on ambulatory or even in the ICU, even in management positions or teaching academia in the vet school if they wanted to work in a clinical setting. Absolutely. And let's talk about teaching. Almost 10 years ago, you picked yourself up from Indiana relocated to Arkansas to become a veterinary technology program director at Heritage College in Little Rock to build a two-year vet tech curriculum from scratch. How in the world did you know where to start? (laughs) That was a definite challenge. Yes. So I met my husband and packed up everything I owned, animals and all, (laughs) and relocated to Arkansas. (laughs) And that was when I, I had the opportunity I felt like it was an opportunity to elevate myself within my career and do something different. I've always been in a clinical setting on how can I make myself different and set myself apart? And this was an opportunity to do that. And coming out of a program like Purdue, which I, in my opinion, is one of the best veterinary technology programs that are out there because we are taking our clinicals in the vet school right next to veterinarians that are going through their clinicals as well. So we're on the ground floor, you know, we're out there, we're doing the work, we're in the same clinical setting as the veterinarians. So we learn a lot in those opportunities. Some of the two-year programs that are available that aren't attached to a veterinary program it makes it a little bit harder for them to get that clinical experience. So I really made it my mission to find ways for my students to get out on farms and participate in different activities to where they could get exposure to all the things that they could do as a veterinary technician. And I really enjoyed that. Seeking AVMA accreditation, obviously there's there's certain standards that we had to follow to make sure our curriculum would align. And it was basically just sitting down and thinking, okay, what do I utilize as a technician every single day in practice? Let's make this practical for them, but let's also find ways that we can make sure these students get as much clinical experience as they can. Right. Because I feel like there's things in school that you either learn that you never use again, or you wish you had learned in school that you had learned, you know, just through experience. Did you find that you were kind of reflecting on your own education and going, you know, I really want to make sure this is included in the curriculum kind of based on either your experience just in clinical practice or just kind of thinking through things. It's like, what do, what do technicians really need to know? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, you know, the education part of it, we have to learn pharmacology. We have to learn diagnostic imaging. We have to learn small animal and large animal medicine and surgery. Like we have to learn all those things. Anesthesia. We have to have the book smarts of those things to understand when we're in a situation, we know not to use this drug with this drug because there could be an interaction or we know certain things about anesthesia. And when a situation arises and an animal needs further assistance um, through anesthesia, There's things that we have to learn as far as the book smarts. We have to have the book smarts part of it. But it again, it goes back to the clinical part of it is I want, you know, my technician students at the time, I want them to be able to walk into a clinic and be confident in setting a catheter or bandaging or, you know, just the hands on things um, that they need to be able to do that they're able to 
position an animal for a radiograph and it's going to be perfect. And it's, you know, we're not going to have a bunch of scatter and they're going to be able to put an ultrasound machine on and know what they're looking at. So those were things that I felt that were really important and just being able to provide that experience for them. I just felt like it was something that they needed so that they could walk right into practice and be able to be utilized to the fullest extent. Mm -hmm. Based on your experience, your life experience, are there things that you wish you knew maybe at the beginning of your career that it's like, gosh, I wish I had was either taught that or or I knew about that during school because then it would have made my life a lot easier and my career a lot easier going forward. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, as technicians and technologists, we have to be lifelong learners. And there's things that we can pick up every single day throughout our interaction daily with our, our clients, with our veterinarians that we can think, oh man, I didn't think about that. I mean, I learned something new every single day. And I don't think I can pinpoint on one thing that that I would think, oh man, I wish I knew this when I was 20. There's just so many things. And as long as we leave our minds open to learning, uh, we can definitely learn something new every single day. I can guarantee you we're not going to learn everything while we're in, in vet tech school. It's the clinical experience when you get out on the floor or out on the farm that really builds you as a professional. Mm-hmm. So now you live on a ranch in Arkansas with your family and run a registered cow herd. And we often talk about work-life integration on the companion animal side of the profession, but what's it like from a large animal perspective? For me, I uh, obviously enjoy working with cattle on my every single day basis on what I do professionally, but on a personal level too, I really enjoy spending time out on our operation. I enjoy watching my cows and my calves grow. That part of it I really enjoy, and I really enjoy the genetic part of it and making sure I can improve genetics through artificial insemination on my, my personal herd, which is another thing I can bring back professionally. And if I ever need a moment where I just need to get away from work or relax, I can do that at home and just spending time here, getting on the back of a horse, going out riding, uh, and taking that time to just separate work from play if I need to. But, but you have a cow herd at home. So like, even if you're on your horse, like, are you like, oh, wait, Look at that. I Oh, I got to go take care of that. I mean, are you not just always working? I mean, yes. I mean, really, yes. I truly <laughs> am. But, but it's okay because I absolutely love what I do. And I just, if I had the opportunity to learn everything there was possible to learn about a cow, I would absorb it if I could because I just love those animals so much and I enjoy working with them. And I don't know what it is, but it doesn't bother me to come home and work my own cattle uh, after working somebody else's all day. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. But okay, let's go this. Let me ask you this then, because I'm curious if you, if you can develop a love of cattle later in life? Or is this really a case of it's like you grew up with cows and that's the only way to have this passion for them? Oh, no. I think anybody could develop uh, a love for cattle late in life. They just, if they haven't got to know them good enough. (laughs) No, I think it's something, (laughs) depending on the exposure for technicians throughout their clinical time in the veterinary technology programs, depending on what their exposure is during that clinical experience, they may have not got a whole lot of opportunities to work with cattle and fall in love with them. (laughs) I mean, I personally, when I was at Purdue, I had the opportunity to choose additional rotations that I spent in clinicals. 
And because I love production animals, I spent my additional rotation in bovine ambulatory and then production swine ambulatory. So that's where I spent my extra time that I had availability. So I could have chose ICU or equine medicine or small animal medicine, but I chose bovine ambulatory and swine ambulatory. So I could spend more time with the animals that I enjoy out on the farms, getting to know them better. So if a student didn't choose an additional block. The caseloads may have not been there when they were in tech school during clinical, so they may have not got enough exposure to what it was like to really work with bovines and work in bovine medicine. So I just encourage those that have kind of interest in it or like maybe want to work in large animal medicine, but they're not really sure. I would I would rather work with a cow all day than a horse. And I love my personal horses, but I would much rather work with cows than horses all day long. Okay. So why? Uh, again, it kind of comes back to the the people that I get to work with, the producers, but the animals themselves, they have, they have such personalities about them that I enjoy. And then they're all different and it's, it's just enjoyable and it's enjoyable to see the different genetics that people have on their operations and what their goals are and in, in trying to improve their operations. And that's the part about it I enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. I agree. If I had to take care of a horse or a cow, I would choose a cow any day over a horse. Cows yeah. are just so, oh my God. I mean, I went to UC Davis and I worked on the, you know, worked in the dairy and I mean, they're adorable and sweet and mellow and I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, there's some crazy, I mean, there's some crazy ones too, because I, you know, I'm in the South, so we work with a lot of Brahma influenced cattle and they're a little high headed and can be a little difficult to work, but that's okay. I still enjoy working with them too. Can you share an experience that you've had that either you were afraid for your life or a really awesome experience? Um, well, this fall, there's been lots of incidents where uh, we've had producers that were injured, you know, working cattle. So, um, and that's tough. You know, if you, if you actually looked at the statistics, cows kill more people than sharks every year. And that's, that's a legit fact. And it is a profession that can be very dangerous. You know, I read about a veterinarian that got his head squeezed into a hydraulic chute that had severe injuries. Um, So if we're not paying attention to what we're doing, we can definitely get ourselves hurt. And then producers can also get themselves in bad situations. And cattle are herd instinct animals. And it's not a good idea to put them by themselves if you can help it. (laughs) They want to be with their friends and uh, their situations that can get pretty scary uh, in a matter of minutes if you're not paying a lot of attention to some of those flighty cattle. So, Were there any moments in your life that were defining in terms of like it's, it's just, oh, I, I, I want to, I want to do this so badly. This is definitely the career for me. Were there specific moments that were, were just like aha moments for you that you could share with us? I, well, I think it, it happens still, you know, to this day, anytime you have an opportunity to pull a calf from a cow that's on the brink of life or death and you're able to reunite that calf with a cow. It's just a moment that you can't describe. And it's, um, it's just wonderful to be able to have a part of that and know that that animal's, you know, going to do fine. And it's, it's got its mama now and mama's doing good and everybody can be, you know, happy and healthy and go on. So I think, you know, anytime those situations uh, come around, I think it's an opportunity for us to be grateful for what we get to do in a profession. I just think you have this love of learning is is obvious. And 
I'm curious as to why do you think it's so important to have this mindset and can everybody have this? Are you born with this? Oh, I think so. <laughs> no, I think everybody everybody can have it. You just have to find the things that really interest you and that you want to see improve. And for me, obviously, like I have a desire to make sure these, you know, these food animals stay healthy so that our food supply stays healthy. And when they have high semantic cell counts like that, and they've got to pull cows off the milk line, that's less milk they're producing. So the producer is not going to be successful. So those are all just things that I think I see as important things for me. So I want to figure out how I can help. Right. And I think anybody can have that. They've just got to find that that fire that builds inside them to uh, try to make change. Excellent. Well, I think our time is up today. I want to thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed visiting with you. (laughs) This wraps up another episode of Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at scrubchat at zoetis.com. And please don't forget to share and review this podcast so that we can produce more in the future. We are grateful to Zoetis for the support. I'm Kim Farina. I'll meet you back here next time. This is Scrub Chat.